Well, equity markets have bounced back and oil prices are falling. Why? Well, maybe the regional escalation fears in the Gaza war is not coming to fruition. We'll see. Meanwhile, German GDP and inflation are both weak, so is the pressure off the ECB, whilst Aussie retail numbers way higher than expected. So where does that leave the RBA and the Bank of Japan today? A bit about uh, what they might do today. It's Tuesday, the 31st of October, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Uh, don't forget, if you are a NAB trade customer, trade like there's no tomorrow today. Because today, if you understand what I'm saying, NAB trade is going to donate all brokerage fees to Good Shepherd Australia New Zealand. This is the seventh year NAB trade has been running a charity day. And Good Shepherd is a fantastic cause helping to build better affordable housing for women. Uh, NAB's partnership with Good Shepherd Australia New Zealand goes back 20 years working to end homelessness in Australia. So visit nabtrade.com.au forward slash charity day to find out more. Not, I've pretty much said it all though, really. So just get trading on NAB trade today and help out. Meanwhile, U.S. stocks on the rise today, 1.6% added to the Dow at close, 1.2% for the S&P and the NASDAQ. Europe closed up as well, almost half a percent for the FTSE 100, 0.3% for the Eurostoxx 50. Bond yields are higher in the U.S., lower in Europe. So six basis points added to 10-year treasuries, back up to 4.9%, but one off 10-year bonds in Germany. UK yields are up a little low, and oil is falling quite a bit. WTI is down 3.4% this morning, below 83 a barrel. Brent down 29 uh, heading down below $88. Uh, the US dollar is down 0.4%. It's down 0.4% on the Japanese yen as well. The Aussie dollar is up over 0.6% this morning to over 63.7 US cents. And the euro has gained half percent as well. Uh, Aussie 10-year yields, incidentally, up six basis points yesterday for 10 years, up to 4.87%. Up another eight basis points on top of that on futures overnight. Uh, I think that is getting to the highest yield since 2011 by the looks of it. Uh, maybe Taylor can put me right on that because uh, he is uh, he's with me. Taylor Nugent from uh, NAB in Melbourne. So maybe we should start with the, uh, the elephant in the room. Uh, yesterday's retail numbers, uh, 0.9% month on month, the increase in September. This might be old news to a lot of people, but I mean, this was well because it was yesterday, but well above expectations. Uh, and this is... This is based on this is from people buying more at higher prices. It's not just the the price factor. Volumes are up quite a bit as well, aren't they? Yeah. Good. Good morning, Bill. So yeah, the retail sales numbers yesterday certainly just one more piece of evidence that the the consumer is is resilient. And I think you know when you look look at the data yesterday, it was very strong in in the month in nominal terms, up 0.9 percent, well above expectations, 4.3 percent, um, and. In the detail there, look, there were a few things that the ABS pointed to, you know, a new a new iPhone, some some warmer weather, maybe supporting clothing sales, a couple of other things that they suggested may have contributed to the stronger result. Um, but it also came with upward revisions to the prior two months as well. And so I think, you know, it's looking like spending was up around 0.8% in, in nominal terms in, in Q3 relative to, to Q2. Um, and given that, yes, inflation is is too strong and we had that confirmed uh earlier with that that Q3 CPI data but we know in the detail of that CPI data a lot of the drivers of inflation have really evolved away from consumer goods drivers and towards that services side of the economy where retail sales is a, a very goods heavy indicator of activity and so you know we think that this probably does suggest you know growth in in volumes of sales we'll get that confirmed on 
on Friday, um, but you know I, that would break three quarters of of declines. And so, you know, when you look at this, it's not a picture of out and out strength in consumption. Certainly, we know the population growth is very strong, and that's supporting some of the some of the um, spending numbers that that we're seeing. But it does say that the third quarter looked looked a bit better, and certainly showed resilience even relative to to the second quarter. And I think you know for, certainly when we think about what this means for policy from here. You know, you've got an RBA that was forecasting a, a slowdown in activity. And so while there are pressures on the consumer, certainly consumption growth, especially on a per capita basis, is is far from strong. I think what the data is showing so far and that that retail sales number yesterday was was another piece of evidence in that direction is, if anything, a little more resilience than, than had been expected. Um, and so when we think about the all-important November meeting and, and the forecast from there, given that they have a, a less helpful starting point for inflation, plus, you know, more resilient activity than anything, then all of that means, you know, there's no offset here, certainly from that unhelpful inflation backdrop when they're thinking about the part. So markets are pricing, am I right on this, 45 basis points of hikes between now and July next year. So not just next month, which everyone is sort of seeing almost as a certainty now, but as, uh, you know, we've been hinting over, over, over the last month or so, probably one more, possibly one yeah, more. Yeah, so markets certainly... Certainly pricing the, the risk of more than one high from here, as you say, about, about 45 basis points by mid-year, about five basis points yesterday. Not quite um, nailed on for, for November, only around 63% price. We certainly expect a, a hike in, in November and, and have for, for some time, as you said. And I think, you know, certainly when the RBA or, or should the RBA deliver that hike in November, as we expect, and we think they will be retaining a, a pretty clear tightening bias and, and that kind of low tolerance with further bad news will remain. And so I think pricing the the risk of more from there is, is right in that context. So I'm looking at a note that uh, you sent out yesterday after these numbers came out with your analysis of it. And you talked about, you know, we've got a bigger population, so there's more uh, retail consumption because there's more people doing it. But you've got a chart here showing on a per capita basis set against an index of 100 uh, the index 100 is at February 2020. The, the the years prior to that, you know, they weren't much below 100, maybe, you know, less than five points but now we're up at 131. So since the pandemic, it's skyrocketed per capita. Yeah, yeah. So that, that chart is in, in nominal terms. So some of that is prices. But but yeah. just again, I think, you know, when we're, if you're looking at this as kind of soft growth in per capita consumption, well, well that may be true, um, you know, more resilience than, than may have earlier been expected. And, and it's in the context of goods demand that has been very, very strong through the pandemic and is already at, at pretty healthy levels as well. And so there's that story of a little bit of rebalancing away from goods spending back towards servicing, which services, which is, you know, probably largely played out at this point. But, you know, when we're think when we're interpreting these numbers coming in, I think that the strength of the starting point is really important as well. Yeah. Well, as you say, uh, we'll get an idea of volumes later on in the week. We get housing data as well, uh, housing credit numbers, I should say, for Australia for September today as well. Uh, let's talk about the uh, the Bank of Japan, because uh, Bosch meets today after Friday's higher than expected CPI number for Tokyo. Uh, and there's talk now that they may lift the cap on long-end yields. So 10 years might be able to go above 1%. So if that happens, 
How does that change? What's the, the immediate effect in terms of the balance for, for global bond yields? In particular, what does it do for treasuries? And, and also, what does it do for currencies? Yeah, so, um, you know, we heard from Rodrigo yesterday teeing up kind of the arguments in, in favour of some potential movement from, from the BOJ today. We know inflation will need to be revised higher, that half a percentage point higher on their forecast for fiscal 23. And then a lot of focus on that fiscal 24 estimate. Will that move up to from 1.9% at their last forecast update to their 2% target or even a little bit above. Um, and then getting market attention overnight was a, a report um, from Nikkei suggesting that the BOJ will be considering whether to allow that 10-year government bond to rise um, above the the 1% kind of de facto ceiling around its, its yield curve control policy at, at the moment. Um, and so, you know, suggesting that, you know, certainly another piece of evidence that the chance of a, a tweak there is probably um, probably you know, very reasonable and certainly larger than kind of analysts surveyed last week that put it about 76% of analysts not expecting any change. Certainly the the, the press reporting is suggestive that there, there may be something from, from the BOJ today, so something to watch out for. In terms of what reaction that will have, you know, is it just a, a small tweak or is it is it a more firm signal that they're slowly moving in the in the direction of or or moving away from from continued easing? I think you know there are open questions around that. And if it but if it even if it is a, a small tweak, we saw in the yen reaction today that markets are, are sensitive to this on that on that headline. The yen fell around half percent straight away down to to one forty eight eighty or so. It's it's lowest intraday level um, since the the eleventh of October. So a, a fairly quick reaction from that um, that story there. And and we know that BOJ officials are kind of and and MOF officials as well are uncomfortable with the the yen around around one fifty. Um, and so that currency sensitivity is is there. Um, and I think also when we look more broadly across across yields, kind of Japanese um, bond yields being kind of anchoring at that at the low end and and kind of keeping potentially a bit of downward pressure on on yields globally more broadly and so you know a tweak today not expecting there to be a you know very very large move across global bond yields but I think you know if it is and if we do get movement from from the BOJ and it does suggest that they are kind of inching away from those ultra accommodative settings um then that is kind of one downward drag on on global bond yields that may be maybe starting to ease even if you know no 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 big moves potentially from just a just a tweak. So it seems like there's two forces at work on bond yields this week. Then, so on the one side we've got that happening in Japan. On the other side, in the United States, the Treasury is going to announce their bond issuance today. In fact, possibly already has by the time you listen to this podcast. Uh, we know there's a larger budget deficit, so could that push U.S. yields higher? Uh, and we'll find out later in the week exactly what the issuance uh, makeup is going to be, what the duration of those bonds is. But two factors at play. I mean, whatever the Bosch does and whatever is uh, happening in terms of U.S. Treasuries. Yeah, so some news on on Treasury supply and that that funding task in the U.S. government as well. Certainly, you know, potentially a, a factor um in in um the the increase in in yields that we saw in the US o- overnight and certainly you know markets focused you'd have to say probably more so on the on the funding task for the US and the news we get both on the the size of that today and then the the composition of that on on Wednesday potentially even more so than the than the Fed meeting later in the week given that you know expectations are firmly for an, for an on hold fed there Big going on, isn't there? Because uh, we also have to talk about Europe. So GDP fell in Germany, but not as much ex- as expected, down 0.1% Q1Q for Q3. Inflation quite a bit lower as well. Uh, so it sounds like the pressure might be off the ECB, is it? Uh, I think, yeah, certainly Spanish and German inflation data ahead of the 
the European um, wide data coming up today, lower than expected on on both the headline and, and the core measures by about three percentage points, sorry, 0.3 percentage points relative to, to expectations. So again, kind of energy-based effects doing a, a lot of the work in moderating headline pressures, but um, those kind of country-level details suggesting a bit of good news on, on core inflation as well. So I think, you know, that puts the risk firmly to the downside from expectations for, for Eurozone-wide um, data today. And as you say, nothing to to kind of shift focus towards, you know, risk of, of um, the ECB hiking more from here on on with that inflation data improving. Well, now people are even starting to talk about going the other way, aren't they? I mean, I, I, you know, the, the, in fact, uh, Vicky Price, who was on the, the weekend edition, not the NAB view, but she was saying that she thought the ECB might want to start lowering rates sooner than the market expects. And there's more people talking about that today. Although Peter Kazmier, who's the Slovak central bank governor, was uh, talking about maybe even further hikes on the table, but certainly said, uh, you know, bets on a rate cut early next year entirely misplaced but you know maybe the tide is turning i don't know too soon to say isn't it i i think so yeah and central bank officials and certainly won't be looking to kind of um, get markets too excited about the possibility of cuts in the near term you know further progress on inflation but you know expectations there for core inflation in europe still above four percent so a little bit further to go but you know certainly looks like weak growth backdrop with inflation coming down so you know continued mm. progress certainly what we like to see. Yeah. Now, the other elephant in the room today, oil prices falling quite a bit. And I guess, you know, the Israeli incursion is happening, uh, but there's no escalation so far from Arab nations. And so maybe, the, you know, perhaps Israel might not go as far as well for fear that they get condemnation from other nations. The pressure's on, isn't there, for them to go a bit easier. So maybe the escalation fears are unwarranted and it could all turn on a dime, of course. But the way the markets are reacting this morning, I mean, a big chunk of that uh, that optimism that we're seeing in the markets obviously is is built around the geopolitics. Yeah, I, I think that's right. I'm not sure there's there's too much we can we can add on the the situation in in Gaza specifically. Well, but yeah, looking next. at the yeah. looking at the price action, you've got you know equities higher. You've got the the US dollar lower, and as you say, about a three percent fall in in oil as well. So all of that's certainly consistent with that view that maybe the the um, operation in Gaza more more contained than than feared, and then some you know certainly the price action is consistent with some kind of receding fears of, of broader regional escalation on the day. Well, we get, uh, yes, more of those European CPI numbers, including the Europe-wide number, as you said today, the European-wide GDP number as well. We get the US Employment Cost Index, the Q&Q number for Q3. We get Canada's GDP. We get the Conference Board's Consumer Confidence. And let's not forget earnings as well, because that has been uh, driving the markets a fair bit. So McDonald's came in better than expected before the open. Uh, we've got Caterpillar, which is always seen as a bit of a, a you know, a, a bellwether stock. We get that before the open tomorrow. And of course, Apple later in the week. So, I mean, the share market could go in any direction, really. Could we were still in volatile territory. Yeah, that's right. And certainly a, a busy, busy calendar over the next um, 24 hours to, to keep markets interested. Absolutely. And to keep us interested as well on the morning call. Uh, good to talk, Taylor. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks, Phil. And there we are. That'll do us for now, I think. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. Have a good one. See you tomorrow.